way, people are going to say, wow, that, that man has some control over his, his tongue and over his emotions, and where does he get that strength from? Maybe the question that they ask would be <coughs> glorify God versus just flying off the handle, not having any control. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, and, and you kind of see that. I think maybe that might uh, come into play even more in this next question we're going to contemplate, uh, the goodness of God. But God is in total control. Um, and just him being in control doesn't mean that he has self-control, right? Um, we don't, it just, just the sovereignty of God doesn't tell us whether he's good or not. Like, if a king has absolute power, he can behead everybody that makes him angry that day, right? That just because he has the power to do that doesn't mean it's right to do that. Um, so this is a, there's some minor distinctions. We like to group those into one because they are one in God. But if we just take the sovereignty of God and, and for a second not consider the goodness of God, then um, yeah, he's, he's in, con, in total control. And he's allowed this conflict for a reason. Other thoughts about how the sovereignty of God impacts our perspective on conflict. Yeah, well, that, that opening paragraph, mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of that paragraph, he says, if you believe that God is watching over you with perfect love and unlimited power, then you'll be able to serve him faithfully as a peacemaker, even in the most difficult circumstances, I think that idea that, and, and being reminded that God is watching over and that God is witness to everything that's happening, I think that's powerful. Yes, very good, yeah. Um, there, the, I think he's, the passage in Second Chronicles 16, that God is watching over the earth looking to give strength to those who are seeking him right and so even in the most dire conflict God allowed it and he's looking over and watching right and this is also the opportunity to share anything from pages 59 to 62 that you highlighted or thought was good so I didn't say that but yeah. Every conflict, this on 62, every conflict that comes into our lives has somehow been ordained by God. That just hit me like a bolt. Right? Wow. Yeah. Jesse. I have a question about that. Yeah. May, <laughs> may need to be asked later, but I've always struggled with the concept of how much is God influencing my life? I mean, Part of my foundational concept is that he's given me free will. I really like how it talks about God chooses not to restrain, like he's not forcing hearts, but he may choose not to restrain. And so the, this, this concept of ordination when it comes to conflict, I, I do think we sin and get ourselves in trouble. But I also think that we can turn those moments into moments to glorify God. So this, this concept <coughs> is fuzzy. For me, right. Um, when it when it comes to him ordaining and moving things in my life, like 
I don't want it to be too specific. I don't want it to be too abstract. And so I, str I struggle with that. Right. Comments about what Jesse just said. Mitch. A uh, similar idea uh, on page 60. He says uh, <coughs> middle to lower half rules over all governments. He alone controls individual lives and destinies. And so I'm, I similarly struggle with that idea because I also am under the idea of free will. Um, so how, how can he be in control of uh, individual lives and destinies and also have free will? Okay. We got lots of comments here. I think I saw Lisa first. Because he knows our hearts, so he knows what we're what, what's going. He knows what we're choosing, where we're heading. So he orchestrates and ordains things to his glory, according to that. Good. Whether, it's, whether we're choosing something sinful or not. Right. So let me interject. I'm teaching the class. I have the burden. I get at least a comment. So <laughs> ordain versus cause, like. To say that God caused you to sin and create this conflict is different than God ordained that this conflict could occur. And how did he ordain it? By giving you free will. In doing that, he ordains mistakes. And then he takes that mistake and he uses it to glorify him. Because we go... I was wrong. I was completely wrong. And that glorifies God. Right? Other, other thoughts? Gary? I wasn't brought up as a Christian. I became a Christian when I was around my mid-twenties. I did a lot of stupid things when I was younger. Started drinking when I was young. Was suicidal on my motorcycle because I didn't care whether I lived or died. And came close to dying many times with that, with that attitude. And after I became a Christian and started looking back, I often wondered if God preserved my life through those close encounters, knowing that my heart would come to him someday. Right. And he let you get on that motorcycle and try and kill yourself or have a total disregard for your life. He let you do that. And then he redeemed it to build your faith. Right. And there are things about your faith that only come from that situation. Ways you can help others. Convictions in yourself, right? Other thoughts? There would be nuances or aspects of our understanding of this that would not coincide with, with what we read in the Bible. But ultimately, my human mind will only be able to comprehend so much of God's ultimate dealings and workings and power and influence in my life. Right, yeah. Um, the thing that, I'm not really sure where this is, but um, not that um, not that we'll never have questions. Um, where does he say that? Trusting God does not mean that we will never have questions, doubts, or fears. But rather it means in spite of our questions, doubts, and fears, we draw on his grace and continue to believe that he is loving, that he is in control, and he's always working for our good. I jumped sections there on you, but um, yeah. So Jesse, 
Does that help at all? Yeah, some of those comments? I really like the definition of ordained there. In the, it does, for me, it abstracts it just slightly in the sense that he set everything in motion. And part of that ordination is free will. And, um, and I, have, I have seen uh, moments in my life where I've messed up to the glory of God later, right? right. Uh, through the redemption process, through the growing of faith, I, because of that. And it makes me look at that moment in my life and go, I really hated that that happened. I'm really glad that that happened, you know, because it, it ultimately, the ultimate outcome was a strengthening of faith in, in, in my relationship. Right. So you take something that you did wrong and good comes of it. That is called grace, right? Should we sin that grace may abound? No. So the goal, like I'm just going to sin and then it'll just glorify God even more when I repent. <laughs> no, but God gives you that grace. He takes that error, that, that sinful attitude and he redeems it for his glory. Um, and so therefore, if you believe that God has all power and all control and that he could have removed all conflict, he could have made us all just do exactly what he wanted to do. He didn't. So therefore, he ordained the mistakes that we make and the glory to him when we repent and, and, and confess and when we receive forgiveness from that. Gary? You out there uh, mentioned the same thing that John did there at the bottom of page 60 when he quoted King David. He said, when King David tried to understand the wonders of God's intimate involvement in his life, he could only conclude, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Right. Psalms yep. 139, 6. Yeah. So we're not going to understand everything because we're not the ones that's, that are sovereign. Right? Okay. So let's move on from that. Hopefully... We've at least kind of addressed the fact that if God has total control, then that means by default, he's allowing the conflicts that you're in. So, just because he's sovereign and in control, that quality, that character quality doesn't mean that he's also good. But we do know God is good, right? Uh, and he, he brought up some things about that. So, um, this is pages 62 through 65. If you highlighted anything, this is the, the time to kind of pull those things out. Um, but the question I kind of want to center on is how does the goodness of God impact our perspective of conflict and resolving conflict? Thank you. Uh, I liked the sentence, and I think that answers the question. Um, it he is not only in control over us, but he is for us. So he wants us to resolve this conflict. Uh, and knowing that should give us confidence in the conflict. Knowing that we can trust in God because we're there by his sovereignty and then by his goodness, he is going to help us. Right. It's not going to leave us <clears throat> flying in the wind. Good, good. That, yeah, that he's doing all these things for our best interest. Our, the, the trouble that I have with that is like C.S. Lewis in his book The Truth Observed he talks about God being a good God and that is even more frightful because if he was just like a villain just, he was just vindictive or something like that he might, he might have been because he just got tired of beating on you 
but if he's like the doctor, he's like, no, this is for your best, like he's actually not going to stop. So, keep operating. Yeah, even though you're screaming the pain. And so, like, like that, that made this even harder to read. Yeah. Because he is good and it is for my best, but Yeah. Right. I wrestled. Help me with this. Uh, I don't doubt that God wants what's best for me. I just wonder how what how painful that best is going to be. Is that? I don't doubt that God wants what's best for me. I just wonder how painful the best is going to be. And yeah, yeah. Just see Jesus. Yeah, we see Jesus that way. Good, good. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was going to say. That the, the prayer in the garden, right? Like, it, it kind of references that. Like, yeah. he, I love it that even he did not want to go through that, but he knew that the best would be worth that. Right. Yeah. Lisa. Um, just a contrast in John 10, where Jesus is saying that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy but he said that he was the good shepherd and he then further contrast that he's not just a hired shepherd he knows his sheep and they know him um, he really wants us to understand how vested in us he is and that that can also be a scary but wonderful realization also right yeah very good yeah Mindy yeah if I'm remembering the book, I think Job really wrestles with both of these questions. Like the definitely the goodness of God is God fair, is God just, and I think maybe even the sovereignty of God as well. And I don't feel like Job gets a clear answer in the book of like, here, okay, I'm gonna lay it out for you. This is how I work. Like this is right. how where my providence was. This was your free will, but this was me acting. And right. He did. A description of God's character and God's power. Right. And so, which is His sovereignty and His goodness, right? So He's like, yeah. The questions are not fully answered, but they are. Answered. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a good example because the answer to His question, whether it was about sovereignty or goodness, was, "Were you there when the foundations yeah. of the earth were laid?" Um, reality check for you, buddy. You're not sovereign. You don't have total control. I do. And here's the evidence. And then, um, I think John Cryline pointed this out in one of his, in an invitation talk, that God's answer was, hey, Job, your friends are wrong. The righteous don't always do well. They think that if you're suffering, you must be sinful, and that's not the right conclusion. Sometimes the righteous suffer, right? And if you didn't know that God was in control and that it was good, you'd go, why am I suffering? Right? Other thoughts? Yeah. Well, that is what people have been asking from the beginning of time. And that's what non-believers keep you know, going back to. God wouldn't allow babies to die. God wouldn't allow women to be raped in war. God wouldn't allow all of these horrible things to happen to people who haven't you know, done anything to deserve it. But it's, I like the, um, going back a little bit in 61, the, where he says it's difficult to understand some of those concepts because we tend to judge God. It's 
actions according to our notion of what is right, or we can substitute what is good. Our sense of what is good is so small and shallow um, because our sense of life is so limited. And the life that he's offering us, it's we struggle so much with seeing the breadth and richness and depth and eternity of it that we judge good, right, and just on this very, you know, little narrow frame of reality that we choose to focus on. And, you know, a, a woman who was raped in war, who spends, who immediately is, you know, <laughs> embraced by Jesus and, you know, and has a relationship with him throughout all eternity, she would say, that was worth it. Right. But we don't look at it. Right. goodness that way. And if the man who did that to her realizes his guilt, and he, even he right. receives God's grace. Exactly. Those wicked Ninevites, yes, yes. And so God ordained that in the sense that he does allow that to happen to get people to want to be drawn to him, but he didn't ordain it in the sense that he likes those things to happen. That's what right. people say. No God who you know, is okay with that, is a good God. He's not okay with it. He just has a much bigger frame yeah. of reference than we choose to see. Right, especially when you consider eternity, like Psalm 73, right? right? Uh, for chapter, for page 68, words it this way. I dethrone God in my heart if I demand that he act in ways that satisfy my idea of justice. That is an indictment when, of us going, why is God doing it that way? I don't understand. Well, then you are questioning his sovereignty and his goodness. Okay. I felt like my, <clears throat> my reading in Imitation of the Christ meshed really nicely with this mm -hmm. section. Um, he says that Jesus hath now many lovers of his heavenly kingdom, but few bearers of his cross. He hath many desires of comfort, but few of tribulation. He findeth many companions of his table, but few of his abstinence. All desire to rejoice with him, but few are willing to endure anything for him or with him. Mm. Many follow unto the breaking of bread, but few to the drinking of the cup of his passion. Ooh. Many reverence his miracles, but few the ignominy of his cross. Many love Jesus so long as adversities do not happen. And then his point is that they who love Jesus for the sake of Jesus and not for some special comfort of their own, bless him in all tribulation and anguish of heart, as well as in the highest state of comfort. Right. Are you only going to, are you only willing to accept good things from the sovereign God? Or do you embrace the conflict and say, okay, this is the card I've been dealt. I have, and God in his wisdom and power and goodness allowed this. Um, John 9, why, did, why was this man born blind? Who sinned? His mother or him? Jesus said, nope, neither. This, God allowed this to show his power. And he healed him, right? That's a microcosm of all conflict. Why did God allow this? Why am I going through this? Uh, so that you'll see that he's a great healer. If, and again, it's, it's dependent on are we going to respond in a way that glorifies him.
Yeah, Bob. Uh, page 64. Yeah. In the middle of the second paragraph. Uh, <coughs> no temptation or trial has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way for you, for you that you can stand up under it. You know, and we just have to ask ourselves, do we believe that? It right. God as part of God's trust. As we know that he will not put more on us than we can, than we can handle. Right. <laughs> right. With his, with his strength and reliance on him. Yeah. And then he goes on to talk about sometimes he takes a problem away and sometimes he leaves it. You know, yes. Still on the air smoke. No, 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 you're good. And in that section, he points to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And in that writing, Paul indicates and talks about afflictions, comfort. But he points out in verse 6 of that first chapter, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Usually my, my attention is on what's happening to me. Right. And not how this conflict or this, this difficulty, it may be met as a blessing to somebody else. Right. Um, Romans 8.28. Um, talking about the present suffering and the future glory. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. Or God works things together for your good. Right? So, um, yeah, one more comment and then we need to move on. Yeah, just, I may be arguing over semantics of just whether or not All right. we can do, like, yeah, God doesn't give us anything more than we can handle. And it's just, when Katrina and I talked about this, it's, it's the fact that it's, it is well beyond what we can handle, but it's the fact that it forces us to rely on God for this, because without Him, these things are insurmountable. Right. And that I probably don't lean on Him enough through some difficulties. But then also that um, I have a hard time finding the word for this. It's not smugness, but just like Sometimes we can look at a situation that maybe is something we've not experienced and we could go, well, there's a simple solution to this. You just need to trust God or something like that. And we just almost like surmise this is something very simple. I have a friend who, she lost a child who was two years old or a year old and it was like just devastating. And then people who hadn't lost a child just tell her how she should feel and how she should act. She just doesn't trust God enough. And like, what happened to the old Laura? Just no compassion for for that because they have this view of how you just work through difficulties, but not having endured those kinds of things themselves. And so, I don't know. I'm not. I don't have an answer for that. I just this is difficult. This is hard to wrestle with. And I don't know what to say to someone who is enduring something like that because I don't get it even myself for things that I feel like are insurmountable right yeah you, you, don't, you can't forget the gospel of grace that says um, yeah if 
there, there are some things that you can do to help resolve this conflict. However, you will fall short and you, you will not be perfect and therefore you need God's grace. And it's, God doesn't save you because you do everything perfectly before or after you accept him. He, and so that, I mean, <clears throat> we talk about uh, in the marriage relationship, uh, husbands should love their wives unconditionally apart from their wife's performance or their record or if they're perfect, even if they're not perfect, I have to love my wife. Yes, that, that's exactly when you love them. And uh, wives need to submit and respect to their respect their husbands apart from their husband's performance and record and their their reliability, right? So God, because God does that for us, He says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you in even when I know you don't deserve it and you're not gonna deserve it." Right? So don't leave out the gospel and think, well, here's the prescription and you just need to follow it. Okay, well, here's a prescription and you're not going to be able to do this well enough. And you, you're still going to need God's grace. But here's the goal. Here, here's some wisdom from God that we need to let, 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 us, let help us breathe grace. Yeah, so... Um, Really good discussion. Let's continue this even after class. But right now, let's go to the next section. So this section is titled, The Path Has Been Marked. And he gives several examples. Um, <clears throat> which example in this section, uh, what did you highlight? <clears throat> what did you think, what, what stood out to you from this section about um, how sovereignty and the goodness of God impact uh, conflict? 